Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually with podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff. You can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com or the Access More app. For years, my face had been gaunt, very skin and bone, despite weighing almost 200 pounds. I looked in the mirror and I could see my skin inflate. Death had left and life was being inflated into my body. Stories stir the soul. Stories reveal. And stories heal. In this podcast, we will give you an inside look at someone who's had a life-changing breakthrough. Real people, real stories with real breakthroughs. As a health and wellness expert and coach and Todd as a men's mentor. We've seen firsthand what God can do when it comes to a breakthrough. So lean in, listen well. This could be your biggest breakthrough. Hey, hey, welcome to Your Biggest Breakthrough. I'm your host, Wendy Pett. I'm Todd Isburner. Yes, and this podcast is part of the Spark Media Network and can now be found on the Edify app. So check that out. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it is. So Wendy, uh, based on uh, how we've gotten to know our guest here, I've got a question to ask you. Okay. uh, Because we're going to get into some interesting things that I think we're all going to relate to. Mm -hmm. But when you were little, just Mm -hmm. a little girl. Yeah. Growing up. Yes. No little would, toe head. I was a little toe head. You were a little toe head. Mm-hmm. What is a toe head? You know what a toe head is? No. Oh, like really like white blonde hair? You're still a toe head. Well, not really. <laughs> I have to get some help. <laughs> so knowing what you know today, yeah. as you were growing up, uh-huh. would you want to go back to when you were a little girl knowing what you know today mm. and let your parents raise you over again? Because mm. maybe you'd pay closer attention. That's actually a good question. It's a great question because I got thinking about that in light yeah. of, uh, of, of what Joff and us are going to talk about today. Yeah. And I thought to myself, man, what I know today, if I could go back and pay yeah. attention to my dad and mom growing yeah, up. Yeah, I think it'd be a, uh, it, it could have been a grander experience. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hmm. So we're going to find That's out uh, what the experience has been like for our guest. And he's got a very interesting story about his progression in his faith. Yeah. And, uh, and some of it, how it relates to uh, his parents as well. So. Yeah, so good. Well, yeah. So Joff um, grew up in a Christian household with a father working with Christ-based nonprofit ministries year-round. And despite this, they were never religious as a family. After a decade of struggle, culminating in a spiritual battle for his soul, Joff found hope and strength in Jesus. Mm, yeah. So what followed was a 15-year battle uh, between what is right and what is easy. Mm, <laughs> yeah. That because that is so relatable, man. Yeah. Uh, so running a record label, artist management, co-producing independent metal bands, transitioning to podcast production, Christian broadcasting, graphic design, website oh, design, my. digital publishing, um, as well as a failed marriage, and fighting to keep his second, Joff been through the ringer. Yes, he has. And as he uh, approaches 40 uh, with three. Wait, what? Yeah, he doesn't look it. He's 40 just a punk. With three beautiful daughters and a God-fearing wife and a cat. Um, Joff spends his time using his creative skills and talents, helping Christian ministries approach uh, and surpass the next level to reach their communities for the kingdom of God, much like his father before him. Oh man, these guys are that. awesome. They're just creative geniuses. So yes. Joff, hey, welcome. Welcome, welcome to, to your podcast. biggest breakthrough. Come on in, brother. Hey, thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you. 
You know, and the nice thing about Jaffe is he's so huggable. He is I mean, huggable. <laughs> he's a sincere hugger and he, back. And he's got a good radio yeah. voice. Yes, he does. My my daughter would uh, agree with the huggable statement. <laughs> <laughs> Cute. I've never hugged myself, so I don't know how huggable I am. Well, you should hug yourself <laughs> don't, don't, every now and then. Don't. And if you do, just please don't record it and put it on TikTok, okay? <laughs> please just don't. So I just have to uh, give a little disclosure here. I, I know Joff relatively well. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm know, getting to know him a lot better, especially after this interview. Um, but I've known his, Dave, his dad, Dave, uh, and, his, uh, and his mom, Monique, for quite a few years. And I mean, you're just from good stock, man. Uh, Thank you. you know, you just really are. I, I have such great respect for your dad, who is, in my mind, still close to me, but I think still the best fundraiser ever. Works Would with you Christian, say close to you? Yeah, next close to, to you. He's, he's worked with Christian <laughs> radio stations and many, many other ministries for many, many years. A great communicator and uh, just, just a man who's about as authentic and real as they get. So, mm-hmm. And what I love is that you and your dad have got that kind of relationship going. Like there's no phony baloney stuff. You got great respect for each other. Yeah. Um, you know, growing up, my dad was always my best friend. You know, he traveled with you for so many years. And when he was home, man, that was... That was it. Like it was, it was dad time, and we in. did everything together: movies and, uh, you know, chicken tender dates on Fridays, and <laughs> you know that kind of thing. It's a, he's always been my best friend, and and as we grew older together, that relationship deepened in ways that I never expected. You know, because you always hear as you grow older, they become less apparent and more a friend, you know, and a confidant and, um, you know, kind of a mentor in some ways. And I never expected that relationship to get as deep as it has become. Wow. And, uh, you know, so it's, I'm blessed. I'm very blessed. You really are. So, so how this kind of got going for me is that we were at a conference recently here and I got a, had a chance to just sit with Joff and Dave for a little bit. And, and Joff, you were just uh, so sincere in giving your dad honor uh, in front of me. And you were telling me just what you touched on just now, what an incredible impact that he had on you growing up because he took the time and because he modeled for you some things that you're living out today. And as I listened in, to you and watched your dad's expression, I realized, wow, this is very, very unique and very special so let's go back to the beginning, because I don't know that it was always like that, even though your dad put a lot into raising you and your mom, Monique, uh, you and your brother, Colin, your little brother, Colin. Does he, he doesn't mind that, does he? Little brother. You know, being the little brother. Okay. There may have been a lapse, <laughs> a lapse. In, it, uh, it's it, it's funny. Uh, there's 10 years between us, and uh, he always looked up to me growing up, and mm. as we're going to get into, um, I wasn't there for him when I mm. should have been. Uh, Cause I was emotionally checked out with my own stuff. And uh, as he became an adult and he now has his own family, I end up looking up to him more. Wow. He's a, That's a cool. intellectual powerhouse and uh, probably the second smartest man I've ever known. Wow. And uh, you know, as a parent and as a father, I mean, I, I can't relate. He's got a son. I've got three girls, but uh, I look up to him a lot, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's interesting how that relationship has changed and grown. That too. really is. Oh, yeah. That really is. So, um, Jeff, one of the reasons we really want to have you on is, is I believe that there's someone listening today that is um, maybe not even in that great relationship with their children and have this desire to figure out how can I make that better. But, but maybe just like you and your dad uh, have had a great relationship, but all of a sudden free will 
comes into play, right? Yeah. And and um, the child begins to make their own way, and it's not really how you were guiding them and directing them. So um, I know Dave had a lot of grace and 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 just a love throughout grace. the whole, <laughs> lot of grace and a lot of love through your journey. So let's just talk about that journey and when things started to to, to kind of shift because you guys were so tight and you were on the right path, and then you kind of got off. Childhood, you know, it was uh, it was interesting. Um, I grew up going to Christian schools my whole life and almost from the very beginning, I was, uh, you know, the quintessential nerdy kid that got picked on, right? I was smart. I, um, was reading literature far beyond my grade levels, you know, high school level literature in like fourth grade. And, uh, you know, the other kids, they were jocks, they were athletic and stuff and you know i mean it was the 90s you know they didn't know how to relate to you it, yeah. yeah exactly and you know it's funny so J- i got joff you just got to stop yeah. for a second because uh back then isn't that many years ago but because you're almost 40 but uh, you know nerdiness was not celebrated uh being smart was not celebrated not like it is it's, now it's yeah, so yeah, cool. it's shifting now isn't it so that's <laughs> yeah. kind of cool you just missed it by a few years it's, <laughs> it's annoying because it's like I, I go to I go to like Hot Topic to buy my jeans. Yes, I'm almost forty. I still buy skinny jeans. And uh, you know, I I go in there and I see all these kids buying like comic book character T-shirts, and I just think to myself, man, twenty five years ago, I would have gotten my butt kicked for that. You know, like if I showed up to school in a Spider Man shirt, like I was Forget getting face first it. in the toilet for a swirly. You know, and uh, you know, kids are like all into that now, and it's. It's crazy uh, how times have changed. But they weren't then, and that's what you were growing up with. You you were growing up being, in in a sense, I I guess, kind of bullied bullied or ignored or or maybe marginalized. What was that like? How how did you handle that? I didn't handle it very well. (laughs) Uh, I just kind of, I I retreated into a shell. And and, uh, if you listen to my mom and dad talk about what I was like when I was little, little, um, I was always very introverted, very quiet. Uh, You know, I never talked about what bothered me. Um, a prime example, and this is something that I always remember, and I actually use this as an example to my wife when I was trying to explain why I don't talk about feelings and stuff. Uh, when I was younger, when The Lion King came out, went to go see it in the movie theater, and uh, the scene where Mufasa dies was very traumatic and impactful on me, mm-hmm. and I was very quiet afterwards in the end the uh lady that I went to go see it with. She was a a, a close friend of the family. She took me and her daughter, took me home and explained that to my mom. My mom tried to coax it out of me, coax it out of me. And, and finally she was like, why don't you go write or draw me a picture? And Mm. I made like a whole pop-up book of the movie. And, (laughs) and, uh, you know, I pointed it out and it helped me kind of get that feeling out that, that process emotional pain that I felt, you know, processing it. And, and really what it came down to was my, I was afraid to lose my dad mm-hmm. and uh, my dad was traveling at the time, you know, sometimes. And I, for years, even now, still now have occasional dreams about him in a car crash or a, a plane accident or something, you know, God forbid, knock on whatever mm-hmm. what's available. It doesn't happen. <laughs> and um, that, creativity that spark that encouragement kind of helped me process those feelings and uh i didn't 
process the feelings of the pain that I felt from, you know, the bullying and the being picked on very well until that moment. And after then I started a creative journey that has carried me all the way up to now. Okay. This this um, is so, this is so good uh, because so many times, no matter whether you're a parent or a friend or a sibling or a coworker, a lot of times we try to get people to be like us and express their emotions or their feelings like like we want them to, right? Yeah, everybody I love processes what, it differently. I love what your mother did. Yeah, though. brilliant. She found yeah. a creative way for you to go to express differently than what she would express, right? And what a lesson for parents yeah. and, and what a lesson for young people too to find the way to express themselves. Yeah, because I know your mom. She would just yeah. talk it out. <laughs> She's yeah. yeah. We have a nickname for my mom and the family, all business. All <laughs> she business. Just sits down and is like, let's go. Let's figure this out now. Let's go. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, uh, you know, her, her two kids that she had are uh, highly intellectual and creative individuals. And they just, we just have never reacted that way to things. And so it was, it was interesting. And that, that was a turning point for my mom and I's relationship too. You know, um, she and I had our struggles and stuff. Um, but that was kind of a moment for me that I've always looked back on of showing her heart of care and compassion and, and, um, encouragement to help me work through something that she knew was hurting me, you know, That's even good. as stupid as it is, it's the Lion King. It's a Disney movie. I mean, yeah, but still, you know, but for like a six year old kid, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever it's, it, you know, that was pain. And she saw that and encouraged me to express that in such a way that literally changed and set a trajectory for my life. Wow. You know, so, so as, as you, were able to process this pain that you were having. Um, it, it didn't mean that you didn't have pain beyond that because you went into uh, a, a stage in your, in your journey of, of growing up that caught that, you know, people around you, unfortunately it induced a lot of pain. So can we talk through that um, stage and, and how you kind of got not necessarily lured into it, maybe, maybe lured into it or maybe retreated to um, that certain space where, um, how do I say it? It wasn't very healthy. It wasn't very healthy. Spiritual darkness. Yeah, there you go. Just put it out there. No, no, it was not healthy at all. Um, When I was 12, we moved to Tennessee from Florida, uh, away from all of our family, everything we'd ever known. And it was a fresh start in a lot of ways for me. Uh, I started homeschooling. Uh, through a local church program, uh, met a couple of people who became some really good friends over the years. Um, but, you know, spiritually kind of damage had been done in a lot of ways. And as I left that environment and went back into a traditional school model, uh, they that, that church had canceled their high school programs and I had mm. just started high school. And so I went into a local Christian school and the community was not very welcoming to new kids <laughs> um was a middle school and an elementary and a preschool attached to this high school so a lot of those most of the kids just went through the whole program they'd known they each other for up years. with each other yeah. they all went to church together it was a church of christ-based school so they all knew everybody's families and it was kind of a rich area and uh, i was not rich i did not know anybody i did I, we were not Church of Christ, so it was. I already had three strikes against me, and you throw on top of that the fact that I just love um, 
uh, Japanese cartoons, anime, and uh, video games, and comic books, and Dungeons and Dragons, and all these nerdy things. And, uh, you know, you get caught reading a weird comic book in the hallways for fun during your lunch break, and you're getting tossed down a stairwell, you know? (laughs) And uh, it it was rough. And there was a lot of spiritual darkness that had entered into me um, that eventually culminated in my junior year of high school, me pulling myself out about three months before the end of the year uh, from suicide attempts. Mm. Um, I had had multiple throughout that year and uh, I had called somebody who was nice to me. It was a, a girl that I took to prom that year. She was nice. And so I just kind of thought, Hey, maybe I can reach out, get some help. And she eventually, and years later, it's totally understandable. You know, 17 year old girl got somebody calling her threatening to kill themselves. And she talks to her dad, who's the pastor at the school, the chaplain. And, and uh, he obviously had to call my parents in and we got it all figured out. And I pulled myself out. It was because of just everything going on. And that was kind of the beginning of a, three-year downward spiral spiritually and physically and emotionally for me that eventually climaxed in a in a very traumatic event <laughs> let's get to that um, now. hold, hold, yeah, on, hold that off on that for just a second yeah. before you go there yeah. um if we can talk about um do you think some of the things i mean i don't know but some of the things that you're tapping into do you think some kind that that kind of could have been uh, portals for some of the darkness on some level i, I think it's your level of spiritual maturity. Mm. Um, I think based on my understanding, my experience and my, my deep research into some of these things, when you're already vulnerable emotionally, when you're already vulnerable spiritually and you don't have a good foundational base. I mean, I, we were a Christian home, right? But growing up, we didn't go to church a whole lot. You know, there was not any, real serious encouragement to read scripture. There was not any real serious, you know, family devotion time, you know, prayer time, that sort of thing. You just, do you accept Jesus? Yes. Okay. You're a Christian. Right. Go pray, you know, whatever. And, and I don't blame my parents. They were products of their environment and, and their, you know, upbringing and everything too. But I just did not have that base. I did not have that foundation. My whatever I had was very flimsy. And when you have that, that's absolutely an open door for those things to sneak in. And yes, for some people, you know, some of the role playing a magic caster, a druid or something in Dungeons and Dragons could be a portal Mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. But it's no more so than... Harry Potter may be for somebody and it's not for someone else, you know, Mm -hmm. someone else will have another trigger point, you know, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was just curious your thought on that. Yeah. So, and the, the, the time in which you started to become suicidal, what do you think really, what was triggering that? Did you just, I just, I just wanted the pain to end. Uh, Uh, I just was done. I was over it. I couldn't, I couldn't handle it anymore. Um, I think the iron, yeah, there's I some irony in this. Uh, there's some irony in this, and and it's 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 always hard to face. But you're in a Christian environment mm-hmm. with with students who you know are Christians for the most part, and it's just always sad when it, 
whatever age it is, that within that environment, we don't find it to be a place of safety and security. Right. That we can still feel. Um, and kids can be uh, so cruel to one another anyway. Yeah. So the labels sometimes really just don't count for a whole lot. And I think the, the, the heads up warning for all of us is just to make certain that we're we're operating in authenticity and honesty, and especially when it comes to to younger kids who are trying to get things figured out yeah. and not just take things for granted. Well, he's, you know, my son's in a Christian school. Everything's going to be great. Yeah. And, and to be that, that uh, parent, a, a safe haven as that parent and to teach your children uh, about this in advance. Well, we yeah. kind of saw it the last, we kind of saw it the last couple of years with lockdowns. You know, I, I was reading a uh, I was reading a story the other day how the workforce is just kind of as a whole is freaking out because of this what they're calling the great resignation of women from the workforce. And it's and I I sit there and I think to myself, why are you all freaking out? These women got home with their kids and realized their kids needed them. Yes, they needed yes, a mother. Jeff. They wow. needed a father. They needed that parental influence and not. They, they understood finally how wrong it was to like send their kids to this building and let someone else deal with them for eight hours a day. They realized their kids are a joy, that they're a blessing, whether they're Christian or not. They realized yeah. their kids are a blessing, not yeah. a blight. Yeah. And, yeah, good. you know, unfortunately, it happened way too late, I think. I mean, because there were how many millions of kids like me mm-hmm. out there? both in the Christian and the non-Christian world, the secular world, the mainstream world that are dealing with the things that I dealt with or have dealt with those things and could have been avoided. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, yeah. Jeff, had you had parents not done that. You had this downward spiral after you're, uh, you're out of school for about three months. And uh, you said, I think for the next two or three years, things actually got worse. What happened? What was the progression downwards and, and why? I, I ended up for my senior year going to a local public school. And that actually was, both one of the best decisions that we made and the worst best in the fact that I finally found people who accepted me for who I was, enjoyed the things I enjoyed. I actually started an anime club, which was cool. Um, started writing some comic books. I started getting into script writing. I was, I, I always wanted to be an author. It was the worst in that the people that I was attracted to were just as screwed up and dark as I was. Mm. And we fed each other. Mm. A, in a cycle of darkness that toxicity just, it yeah i mean it it was completely toxic um i mean one of one of our core group uh actually ended up shooting herself in the head a few months after i graduated and pretty i tried to reconnect with a lot of them a couple of years ago and pretty much everybody is either living uh a life completely full of degeneracy and sinfulness they have gone one step further and are members of local witch covens mm-hmm. and practicing occult magic. And, uh, and a lot of that was born at that time. I was there when there were multiple, I, I didn't take part in the rituals, but I was there for multiple attempts at summoning demonic spirits or beings, uh, from other realms. Um, wow. I have, I think that's why I sacrifices. Asked- it was awful. Wow. Wow. Like, wow. Like, I think that's immediately why I was like, Ooh, like, do you see these as, as portals? You know what I mean? Uh, and so for you to, um, have, have escaped this, uh, in such a way is a miracle. I must say, I, I mean, I really, I mean, yeah. just, well, just really seeing is. the, just seeing what all that, um, you were around and the people that, um, have been immersed 
in, in the same thing and in that darkness where they are now and where you are. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Well, and it's even more of a miracle. Uh, my brother started doing some of that ancestry stuff, and uh, we discovered that back in our family lines, we actually have, you know, members of the Rosicrucian order, pirate. There's a pirate somewhere down the line, and that guy was like, I mean, pirates were not all Yoho Jolly Roger. I mean, they were yeah, like bands. deep into that pagan voodoo stuff, and that mm-hmm. stuff lives generationally. Right. Down the line, however many years. And to see how my brother and I have broken out of that, that those generational curses, my mom has broken, my father has broken out of those generational curses. It's pretty amazing. You know, it really is miraculous that we're here. So you were, you were swirling around in spiritual darkness without really even knowing it. And then you've got this added influence of friends who, so it would be somewhat normal for you guys to believe in these things and to pursue those things. But the reality is, Jeff, you, you know, firsthand that there are so many people who have really a hard time getting a grip that there even is an invisible world with these, these demonic beings. Um, So I want you to talk a little bit about that because there's a reality that you faced and got caught up in. And where did that lead to? A few months after uh, high school was over, I was working, (laughs) funnily enough, at a Christian ministry. And uh, by day, I was a open professing Christian, raising his hands during worship. Yes, Lord, and all that. And by night, I was a depressed, pill-popping, psychotic mess. And it I hit a stressed out situation one day a few months later, and I remember standing in our gravel driveway and I looked up at the sky and I put up both middle fingers and I looked at God and I said, F you, you have never done anything for me. You have never been there for me. You are the worst father in the history of fathers. Mm. And I walked out the next day, the very next day, I woke up with a migraine and I felt something in my head and uh, I didn't recognize it for what it was. And it was about a week later that I started hearing voices. And I thought it was just a paranoid schizophrenia or whatever, based on the SSRIs I was taking at the time. You know, I was prescribed Ambien because I had a, uh, a massive insomnia streak for about two years. <laughs> and I started taking more. Than I should have. Uh, mm. I would read like it's science fiction addictive. books and then walk around my room hallucinating. It was awesome. <laughs> Don't wow. recommend it, but <laughs> wow, Jeff. Um, and I realized that these voices that I were was hearing were demons. I had a demon in my head. It, I, I equate it to like a worm. Um, it felt like I could feel it crawling across my brain inside, and it hurt. And we would have conversations all day, all night. We would have discussions. Uh, I would wake up or go to bed whenever I did get sleep, seeing a dark shadow figure with red eyes across my room, staring at me, watching me. From that moment that I told God what for in my foolishness, that was the open door that they needed to then come in and destroy the family line and or attempt to about a year and a half of this and i finally recognized what it was and i started trying to take steps to get rid of it 
you know, I didn't want it anymore. I had started dating this girl that I'd known for a long time and I didn't, I didn't want this anymore. I wanted to be a good person. Right. And, uh, we went to go see this movie called the exorcism of Emily Rose. I'm a big horror movie fan. Still am. (laughs) And, uh, exorcism of Emily Rose was made by a Catholic film director. Um, it was based on a true story of a girl who, truly felt like she was supposed to subject herself to multiple demonic possessions and her story was going to lead people to Christ. She was a Mm. martyr in a way, Mm. a modern day martyr. That's what she felt. And I've looked up this girl's story and the film obviously takes a lot of creative liberty and stuff. uh, But, you know, generally speaking, the story is pretty, pretty legit. And there's a scene in the film where it's kind of a climactic scene with the whole demonic possession thing. The priest commands her in the name of Christ to lift list off, you know, who's possessing her. Cause you know, these demons have names and they covet their names, you know, and she lists them off and, you know, one by one, all seven different ones, you know, I am the one that was with Legion. I am the one that was with Cain. I am the one that, you know, so on and so forth. And right before that happened, I was like, Nope. Nope. Let's get out of here. Let's go. Let's go. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> like, mm. And I stood up in my movie theater seat and I felt a hand press against my chest and physically push me back in my chair and hold me there until wow. the end of the credits. And I came home and I was honestly freaked out. Understandably, my dad tried to get me to talk and I wouldn't talk. It was like I was two years old again. I wouldn't talk. He finally got me to describe the scene and I'm shaking and you know my voice is all shaky and everything. And I hit that point and I cannot say the names of these demonic entities that were mentioned mm-hmm. in the film. I finally say one and my body flops back on the couch. Is this where you want me to get into this? By yes, the way? go for it. Because <laughs> the average person listening is going, what in the world? Yeah. And so... People need to know that like there there's some spiritual darkness out there and how to I'm gonna, I'm gonna give yeah. you the abridged version because what yeah. happened afterwards up to now has been honestly incredible. So my body flopped back onto the couch and I started convulsing, lost consciousness. And the way that I describe this to people is the demon took control of my body and kind of a good visual would be like you're in an auditorium and you have your stage, like a high school auditorium, and you have your stage, and I was walking from the backstage area out to the front and there was a spotlight down on the chair and the demon was there and he grabbed the chair and drug it back to where I was, which was, you know, behind the curtain, you know, where the curtain would close and pointed to the chair, said, sit down. So I sat and then he pointed out to the spotlight and said, watch me perform. Mm. And the spotlight was my body. Mm. And the chair was my mind and I was stuck and I Mm. could not control my limbs. I could not control my speech. I could not control anything there. I had lost complete bodily control over anything. And um, hours this went on. Um, I don't know if I've always been afraid to kind of ask my dad about this. (laughs) I don't know if this is true, but I felt like my body levitated. Um, I know for a fact I was flipped over onto my stomach from my back onto my stomach on the couch and my limbs 
my arms specifically were pulled back so far that they should have been snapped out of the sockets, but they weren't. And this went on for hours, hours. Uh, my dad was the one who spiritually just took up the reins and went for it with, with that, wow. you know, what you see in the, the power of Christ compels you, you know, all that kind of yeah, stuff. I mean, that's, that's what he did. Yeah. That's yeah. what he did. And, yeah. um, you know, what's interesting is so that funny, had, it's not like your dad was an experienced exorcist. No, <laughs> just, oh, no. Just, oh, oh no. Full of faith. <laughs> he was moving, right. He, he loved his son. He loves Jesus and he knows the power of Jesus and he just what, acted What's on it. funny is that at that time he was having a crisis of faith. Mm-hmm. He was having a crisis of not really belief, but belief, I think. And um, he, when the chips were down and the moment came up where he was needed, he did what needed to be done. Awesome. And I would be dead if he didn't. I think that also feeds he and I's closeness is, not many, not many sons can say that about their fathers. Not, no. not many, <laughs> no. you know, especially true. today. I have a lot of friends that are spiritually top notch. Like they're right there. Yeah. If they have a dad, their dad's a piece of crap. If they don't have a dad, they were raised by stepfathers who were pieces of crap, mm. you know, and yet somehow these guys came out like super solid. And I talk in, you know, like our chat rooms or whatever about, my relationship with my dad and they're like holy crap dude you are so incredibly lucky you have no idea Mm. how lucky you are to have what you have well you know first of all thanks for sharing all this because again the 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 person there's a whole other there's a whole other day of the exercise well we'll get to that we'll get to that but i just want to remind uh, the listener of Ephesians six twelve, and it's for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, and against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And and you had um, like serious, uh, uh, you know, firsthand. Um, experience with all of this. A lot of people can't say that they really have, you know, um, no. but you have. And and talk about leveling up in your belief of like for your dad to to walk out what he knew, even though he he didn't have the same belief and faith as he as he desired. Man, that locked it in, right? Um, yeah, sure oh enough. yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So this absolutely. is like a forty eight hour kind of um, exorcism, right? Yeah. So, so a few hours later, the thing relented and left, left me alone. And, uh, you know, everybody just kind of breathed a sigh of relief, like, Oh, thank God it's over, you know, kind of thing. And I was still just struggling with fear. You know, I was terrified. And, and when you have the blood of Jesus on your side, nothing can touch you. You don't live in a state of fear. You don't live in a spirit of fear. Mm -hmm. And I, still was so i was uh yeah i was just terrified it was going to happen again i was like i don't want to deal with that who does right um the next day i was going to go to church and i skipped out because you know kind of tired for obvious reasons (laughs) right and uh so i go to work and i come home and my dad has this great idea it was a great idea that he's going to anoint me with oil and the sign of the cross and pray over me before i go to Mm. bed that didn't work out so well. Mm. Um, so the moment he touched his oil-dipped finger to my forehead, it felt like fire. Mm. Uh, felt like my skin was being branded, and it was whatever the 
whatever the demon was took control again in mm-hmm. instant instantly and um grabbed his hand and reversed the cross on my forehead so the petrine cross you know mm-hmm. the upside down which is a whole nother conversation i always thought that was interesting but um and we started all over again mm. same thing wow. Wow. and finally finally dave had enough he started praying and i don't exactly remember what he said um oh yeah no no this was yeah he said um in the name of our lord jesus christ and by his blood i command you to leave out the way that you came leave out the way that you came well we got to go back a little bit since i was about eight years old i had always had horrific horrific leg cramps charlie horses really Mm. bad i mean like to the point where I would have one and I could, I couldn't walk for a whole day, you know, like awful. Mm-hmm. And we just kind of all chalked it up to the fact that I hate bananas, right? Because you know, you gotta get potassium. <laughs> that and growing pain. still hate yeah. bananas. I hate bananas. <laughs> yeah. Apparently this thing entered through the physical pain mm-hmm. of a Charlie horse. It was at this time that pain started coursing through my body and I didn't really understand what was happening. And I was terrified and at that point, all time stopped for me. When I say, you know, people say that and they're like, oh, I feel like time stopped. You know, literally reality paused. I've never seen this happen before since. Reality itself paused. I was on my back. My head was facing up. And there was a light that had opened up in the ceiling of our house. And I heard God say, okay, here's what's going to happen. I'll give you two choices and I'm not paraphrasing it like spoken just plain terms to me. You either choose to follow me and you'll live or you choose not to follow me and you will die in two weeks. Mm. Make your choice now. Mm. And I, (laughs) in my mind, I literally looked up at that light and I said, well, God, I'm pretty fond of eating and breathing. So I'm going to choose you. (laughs) and it was funny i didn't hear anything after that there was no other audible voice but i got the very distinct emotional and spiritual feeling that he laughed and like the way a father would at his son's joke you know and it was the first time that i spiritually felt safe Mm. ever in my whole life ever ever and an angel appeared above me. I'm trying to remember my angelic hierarchies. Um, It was one of the, uh, like part of the angelic army. Um, The armor was silver and gold and his wings unfurled and he smiled at me. And as he smiled at me, he put his hands around my throat and squeezed. And it was the most intense pain I'd ever felt in my entire life. And it was because as my dad, while time had stopped for me, it was still going on. um, My dad was commanding this thing to leave out the way that it came and it was trying to crawl out of my mouth and I could Mm. feel it wriggling in my neck. This angel was choking it out of Mm. back down into my body, tried to leave out the left leg and the angel grabbed my leg and 
pushed it back up in and it apparently entered in through my right leg, which is the leg that I always have my Charlie horses in. And it finally left. And that was it. I got up and I looked in a mirror and for years, my face had been gaunt, very skin and bone. Um, despite weighing almost 200 pounds, I looked in the mirror and I could see my skin inflate. I mean, it was like death had left mm. and life was being inflated into my body. Mm. And That's it was amazing. Weirdest, coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Well, it was a remarkable deliverance, a two-part deliverance that uh, that a lot of people will never have any sort of awareness of or need for, yeah. but you did. And the Father's love, your heavenly Father and your earthly Father made certain that you had an opportunity to experience freedom yeah. because of God's plan for your life, his plan I, for you. I've for always said, I've always said that my... Uh, my dad is a perfect example in his imperfection of what our heavenly father wants in terms of his relationship with us, mm, except good. so much more because there is no imperfection Yeah, in the almighty, yeah. you know, there is no imperfection in Jesus. And so if like, if my relationship with my dad is the way that it is and it and we have this deep spiritual bond together that goes deeper than any any other anything else you can comprehend imagine how much better my relationship with Jesus is going to be mm. oh you know that's right that's right <laughs> as as the as, you know the almighty father you know the the one who gave us the examples of yes. earthly fathers you know and all that so yeah. Well, I, I love all this, Jeff, because, um, again, most listeners of our podcast are not even going to be able to fathom this, but God knew that this was um, how you needed to be reached and to be um, wooed to him in such a way. It had to be some a big, miraculous uh, deliverance and shift, right? Yeah. And so um, what would you say to someone that is listening that, um, you know, maybe maybe they're kid is struggling and they just don't know that first step to take to, to help their child out, to, to, to have that freedom, right? Maybe they don't, maybe they're, you know, scared of, of the realities of, of powers and principalities, right? They don't really want to go there. Um, but, but it is, it is real. You, you, you're telling us all about it. There's a couple of things that I could say, and there's a couple of things that people can do uh, if they have kids or if there's somebody in their life that's struggling, you know, regardless of who it is, there are a few things you can do. Number one, obviously dive into scripture, just dive into the word, pray and understand that the Holy Bible, I personally prefer the King James version. I think it's probably the most accurate translation out of all the study that I've done. Understand that is it is the infallible word of God. God does yes. not. He speaks. He speaks in story. I mean, we see it with the parables that Jesus told, right? He speaks in story in ways that we can understand that make sense to us in our mind as earthly beings. Everything in there is not a story. You know, a lot of people like to say the flood is just, oh, it's just allegory. It's just a story. It's a metaphor. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. That's why every single major religion in the world has the same story. And not only that, 
scientists with their faulty crappy carbon dating have proven that there was a cataclysmic worldwide flood at one point so you know it's like the infallible word of god is your obvious base starting point so Mm -hmm. start there dive into it um you know and i there's incredible people out there that do some amazing commentary that that kind of help the interpretation of things into kind of a more modern language, you know, cause especially if you're going KJV, I mean, all of these a thousand. Yeah. <laughs> um, second thing is understand and, and speaking strictly as a father to a child kind of situation, understand that it's not your fault. Mm. That was the thing that my dad constantly kept saying to me over the years. I'd do something retarded. I would listen to Marilyn Manson, you know, and he'd be like, I just, I didn't raise you that way. I just don't understand. And I just look at him calmly and I would say, dad, it's not your fault. Mm. I am surrounded by external influences and I am becoming an adult and I'm making my own decisions. Whether you agree with them or not, is a whole other cop, you know, topic of conversation altogether. But just at the outset, it's not your fault that I am the way that I am, that I'm doing X, Y, Z, that I'm listening to watching whatever. So as a parent, understand it's not your fault. The world wants your kids dead spiritually, emotionally, until physically it happens and then they'll move on to the next one the world is a machine and we all really are just gears and pulleys and belts in that machine Mm. and we get chewed up and spit out the only way we avoid spiritually having that happen is through jesus Mm. right acceptance of the resurrection but understand and i i even understand this you know i i am not anybody special i have a cog in a machine my job is to work hard make money buy groceries and make sure my kids are fed make sure they have shelter clothing you know those things and god has provided all of those opportunities for me to do so but in terms of the world i am a number you are not anybody special and once you understand that most people dive into depression and despair. I see freedom. It's like the Matrix movies, right? When when his mind was finally free to perceive the simulation as it was, he no longer saw black skin, white skin, whatever. He saw code. He no longer saw sunglasses or T-shirts. He saw code. It's just numbers, you know? And once your mind is free from this idea that I am responsible for everything that happens to my child, especially in those older years when things like depression and stuff start creeping in. And I guess since COVID, it's become younger ages now that that are struggling with these things. But understanding that it's not your fault, you're doing the best that you can, and understanding that the world wants you and your family dead, you then are opened up to all these different options to help, to, to do things differently you know scripture obviously is the big one and prayer is the other big one and when you have a kid that resists get on their level what are they into and don't get angry that they're listening to like rob zombie or something you know try and understand why 
those things, they're gravitating towards those influences. Why do they like playing violent video games? You know, it, not to suggest that there's a correlation between real world violence and video game violence, but understanding why they seem to be drawn to some of these darker things, having those conversations. And that leads into number three, dialogue, 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 dialogue. Do not shut yourself into your man cave and drink PBR. Do not shut yourself into your she shed and go knitting and have wine nights with the girls. Yeah, stay involved. Spend time with your kids. Yeah. Like, have conversation under even those awkward ones man like i've got a 10 year old girl things are getting as awkward as they can get right now and you know it's like oh but you I'm, just wait I'm glad <laughs> do not speak that into my life um <laughs> i am ecstatic to have those awkward conversations because it gives us a deep close relationship yes where even if there it tells her even if there's something stupid and weird and awkward she can still come to me mm. yeah even that's if good. she goes to her mom yeah. you know and that's that's Powerful. what you have to do that's yeah, so that's so that's so practical yeah just stay engaged with your kids like don't back away especially if things get weird or awkward or rough rather than run the other direction run towards them and and do what your parents did and just get get involved and get down to the nitty-gritty of things i'm guessing that well and since since then since then the last 15 years i have failed i have run I mean, I the when COVID lockdowns hit, I got super depressed. For the first time in years, I got super depressed, and I became a functioning alcoholic. I drank a lot of whiskey, <laughs> and I ran from those deep issues that I was not ready to face. And I had to pull back and face them. And my wife, oh, she is a saint and a half, <laughs> you know. But it, so it's like, so we need we need good people fail. around us that'll keep us accountable, yeah, right? Hold us up. Mm -hmm. accountability spiritual accountability is yeah. hugely important well i think you you're you know again your dad and your mom both modeled some really solid things for you so you always got that touch point to go back to and that's a word for all of us as parents yeah. or grandparents keep modeling the good things stay engaged don't be afraid address the issues head on because i think yeah. probably what you're doing now as a dad uh you know a lot of the good things that is happening can be credited to the way in which your parents raised you and the, the truth is Jeff, we're all still learning right yeah you, there's not like a book for it dummies doesn't, yeah. it doesn't you know? matter if you're 40 or your 60s or 70s you're still yeah. you've got this great opportunity to keep learning and in the process to become deeper better and more impactful in the world around you so that's what we here's recognize the, here's in the life. great thing here's the great thing about kids is from a young age, you can train them. I mean, scripture says what train up a child in the way it shall go. And when he gets older, he will not, not depart, depart from it. I had this opportunity. I was 24. I had just come out of a divorce uh, to a not very nice human being. And uh, I met who is now my wife and we were both young. We were retarded and we had our first kid and I shotgunned myself into that marriage. And the next six years was rough. I mean, we, I, I was having a conversation with a, a friend of mine this morning about it for each other and mm. for our family. And I, I see people all around me that don't even, all they do is fight with each other with and then they other, wonder yeah. why their marriage sucks. I had this opportunity. We both recognized we had this opportunity to shape and mold this human being, this, mm. this tiny little me, you know, and who do I want to be as a person? So I can make this person into who I believe they should be. Yeah, yeah. yeah and that's it. it took 
six years before I finally got my crap together and my wife got her crap together. And then we got our crap together. And here we are, we have this 10 year old girl. That's like the most amazing, generous, compassionate, loving Jesus following kid. And it's so funny because I have persevere and don't give up. I have friends that have kids and they're like in church every Sunday and in church every Wednesday. And they wonder why their kids are terrible human beings. And I'm like, well, it's because you suck as parents. <laughs> it's because you, you, your marriage sucks. Like you guys don't ever look like you enjoy each other. Like, mm. so why would your kid enjoy being your kid? Right. Like, got a model turning to everything else. And churches, of course, are doing a terrible job of <laughs> you know reaching out to the youth. So these kids are then just left waving yeah. in the wind, and there's no one for them. And I look at my daughter, and I'm like. I went through hell to get to the point to have a kid. Then after having the kid, I went through hell part two. <laughs> you know, I, I there was so much here yeah. and here that I had pushed aside in my arrogance thinking, oh, well, Jesus saved me from demonic possession. I'm solid. No, we will continue still, to become more and more like Christ until the day we die, Joff. And exactly. I, and that's what you're saying years to realize that now I look at my daughter and she's such a well-adjusted, loving little girl. And she came up to me the other day and gave me a hug, said she was proud of me. Hmm. Aww. Yeah, I, I yeah. think I'm a, I still think I'm melt. a pretty terrible person, <laughs> but I instantly felt God mm. in yeah. that moment. Yeah, I felt oh. the spirit of Christ in me leap for joy. Mm. And it's so good. I was like, this is why I went through what I went through. This is why my wife and I fought for our family for so long. Yes. This is well, you're the gonna reward. Leave. Yeah. And you're good. just like your parents have left you a legacy by investing themselves in you. Yeah. You're doing that now, you and your wife with your little one. And I think we, that's awesome. we really what's even what's even cooler is that it's my parents' legacy and it's mm-hmm. my in-laws' yes. legacy. Yeah, it's yeah. not mine. Yeah. It's not yeah. just it's mine. It's my dad's legacy through me into her. And Beautiful. she recognizes how hard her grandfather's work and wants to be a stay-at-home mom when she gets older with a husband like me and her two grandfathers Come who on. work hard, love God, love her, and build a family like that. That's and awesome. Drop the she's mic, t- Joff. Oh, Drop the go. mic. That's exactly what we wanted to uh in this podcast on is really it's leaving a legacy when you are are uh you know infused with your children and and with your family and you have god first and uh you can lead by example and you and you and you don't um uh depart your children you're always involved so thank you so much for sharing your story it's a big one 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 last anecdote we're helping my in-laws move and uh, I pulled out a box of old books from one of their garage shelves. And in it, I found two Bibles. My um, mother-in-law, her mother passed away years ago, and I never got the chance to meet her. And those Bibles were hers. One was one that she had, and one was one that she had dedicated and left with stuff in the margins and everything for her daughter. And it just, the thing that punched me in the gut was what an incredible legacy to leave, a legacy of scripture, a legacy built on the foundation of the word of God. And that was left to her to give to her kids who, you know, now seeing my wife, who's giving that to her children. And it's like, that's incredible. That right there is like, you want to talk about parenting? That's 
That's like that's the big it. foundational block. Word of God, scripture, boom. That's boom. it. And then yes. everything else follows. And Amen. as we Jeff, go amazing. into this world that devolves, <laughs> we need yeah. more scripturally based yeah. families and people. Thank you yeah, man. so very you much for that. being on your biggest breakthrough yeah. and sharing your 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 story. Yeah. I mean, it's Thank just you for having me. Yeah, it's just been a joy, and God uh, redeems, restores, and you are an overcomer, overcomer, yeah. my friend, and uh, thankful for your dad. So thanks for being on, and yeah. um, we will see you again soon. Love you, my God man. bless yes, you, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. Thank, Thank you. you. God bless you. God bless yeah. you. Wow, what a story, huh? I mean, I don't even know what to say. Like, <laughs> well, you're not going to find too many. You're not going to find too many people that you encounter who have experienced what Joff has experienced. No, uh, maybe or admit maybe, it. Maybe a few even. have skirted around the edges of that. Yeah, uh, but not many have experienced it to that degree. Yeah, but I love I love his perspective on things now, as he can look back and as he He's looks authentic. ahead, he understands where where the foundation is in the word of God yeah, and relationships with family members. Yeah. And so the, the biggest thing um, is, is leaving that legacy yeah. of, of read God's word, stay involved with your children and, um, and never give up, persevere. So, all right, well, we hope that this show blessed you and um, we would love to hear your comments and uh, hear from you on social media or even on our site. But again, share this with those that you I think would appreciate this episode of Your Biggest Breakthrough. And we'll catch you next time, same time, same place. See you again. Take care. So glad you could join us today. And you'll find a new episode every Tuesday on your favorite podcast platform. And if you've been encouraged by listening or viewing, would you just take a moment and give us a five-star rating and a quick review? That'd be so awesome. Yeah, and also please share this with your friends and loved ones. If you have comments or questions, or if you're looking for an advertising opportunity, please get in touch with us at yourbiggestbreakthrough.com. Or if you'd like to optimize your health and wellness, you can work directly with Wendy. Go to wendypep.com. Or if you're a guy and you're interested in mentoring and coaching, go to toddisburner.com. We look forward to having you join us on our next episode of Your Biggest Breakthrough.